What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the American Deciding Factor podcast. It is just me today uh, on this episode. Uh, so I want to come at you with something that I'm pretty interested in and have a lot of passion into. So I want to open up with this question right here. Did you know that 91.5% of men and 60.2% of women have reported consuming pornography in the last month? So that means that 9 out of 10 of the men in your life consume porn, and about 3 out of 5 women in your life consume porn. So we will get into those numbers in just a minute, but first, if you enjoy listening to this podcast or if you are new here, please be sure to hit the plus sign and subscribe to our podcast so you can get the episodes as soon as they come out. Also, be sure that you're following us on all of our social media accounts at Deciding Factor, D-S-I-D-I-N-G, Factor, uh, that will help us out a lot. Once you're following us, make sure that you spread the word and tell your friends and family about us. If you want to get in touch with us, please be sure to just DM us or email us at decidingfactor at gmail.com. Again, D-S-I-D-I-N-G, factor at gmail.com. We answer every message we get, so I can promise you that we'll get back to you. And doing all of that is the absolute best way to help us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you all for listening, so let's get into this episode. So this is actually very likely going to be a two-episode package deal sort of thing about why and how to quit porn for good. So the first thing that we need to do, if we're going to talk about this, is we need to be very clear about the definition of the words that we're using. So what is porn? The technical term is pornography, and it comes from the Greek words porne, meaning prostitute, and the Greek word graphene meaning writing, so it's a prostitute in writing or a writing of a prostitute, basically. The Oxford definition of pornography is the printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. And I feel like that is a very great description. Oxford knocked it out of the park. With that, so that is exactly what we're talking about. I'm pretty sure most people have an idea of what porn is in their mind, but just to be clear on the phraseology. So, how many people are involved in it? This is according to a government study. This is completely anonymous, so it's best with these kinds of studies that it's actually anonymous because people are much more likely to give um, more accurate and positive results. So, um, this peer-reviewed government study uh, suggest that 91.5% of men admitted to consuming porn, uh, so that's ages 18 to 73, pr pretty wide range there, and 60.2% of women doing the same, again, 18 to 73, quite a wide age, age range there. So that means, again, 9 out of 10 men and 3 out of 5 women that you know. So what modes do people use uh, to consume this? So... Men actually reported a lot more interest in videos and pictures. Makes sense. We're visual creatures. Um, and in general, age-predicted uh, age consumption of videos and written porn for women um, did not really play out very well. Um, age uh, did not predict any modality in men, um, but uh, – sorry, I fumbled that. So – Age did not predict any modality in men, but in women it did. Older women are much more likely to consume like books and written stuff rather than visual stuff. Uh, so as they get older, women tend to go more towards the writing portion. 
so much so that 11% of women report that as it being the only mode uh, of porn that they watch or indulge in. So if you go into that, then you really get more of about 49% of women are consuming this. So it's really more of about half of women. Uh, so this data shows us that despite the taboo, porn has for sure become a normalized part of our society. But if that data is not enough for you, how about we move on to some relatable examples? So just really quickly here, a newly made TikTok account is force-fed gratuitous content via the For You page. If you do not believe me, add your own account, try it yourself. You can do it for free, obviously. The only thing you will get is gratuitous content. Instagram has popularized the phrase thirst trap um, and is known for having plenty of uh, explicit type of pages. Twitter is a absolute dumpster fire when it comes to this, has plenty of uh, explicit and uncensored uh, images. Um, I actually have uh, quite a bit of screenshots showing how Twitter actually um, force feeds this kind of stuff through your search recommendations. And I have the all the screenshots and the, the, the ways that Twitter comes up with these search recommendations to prove that. And those will be releasing uh, on our Twitter account in conjunction with this podcast episode. So, um, by the way, the age restriction for Twitter is 13 years old. So they're pushing all this stuff on 13-year-olds. Pretty crazy stuff. So Tumblr, another example, had to be taken down because of the amount of uh, child porn that was on the app. And so then it instituted a sex ban in order to regain its place on the Apple App Store. So Apple actually kicked it off for quite a time because of this being an issue. Um, explicit imagery can be, a can be found on just about every platform uh, that shares media. Google image searches will readily pull up explicit images if you tell it to. Uh, Google even goes a step further. This is not necessarily connected to this specific topic, but just to the sexual anarchy in general. Google goes a step further to tell you that men can become pregnant, gender is fluid, all this other sort of stuff. I would advise you to do what I did, uh, switch to DuckDuckGo. They don't track your data. Uh, it's not quite as left-leaning as Google is, so that's the way to go. Um, so that is what our corporations, our media is all saying about it. What does society say about porn? So porn is being pushed on young people as a normal and an accepted way of life that is no more notable than just brushing your teeth or drinking water. It's just a normal, everyday part of life. There are free sites everywhere. A vast majority of the porn that is accessed online is 100% free. Popular sites like Pornhub are completely free to access. There's no paywalls, no account requirements. You get on Google, you look up whatever you want, you do your deed, and you're done. Completely free. Um, the idea being pushed here is free porn on demand. And the reason why is because it fulfills the natural urge to release your sexual energy by replacing a legitimate and meaningful connection with an artificial one. That is why it is free. Um, of course, uh, if you don't go and get it on free sites, you could go to OnlyFans. Uh, so OnlyFans inspires every girl to devalue herself and sell her body for a price uh, in hopes that she gets rich doing it. Of course, that's not always the case. Uh, in reality, girls are putting a price on something that is priceless, and they should be valued enough to save it. So the idea being pushed here is that your body is meant to be used in a perverse manner 
and it is nothing more than a commodity that can be bought and sold. This is, in my opinion, a trafficking uh, trafficking operation, um, regardless of the fact that it may be uh, quote unquote uh, consensual, is a trafficking operation on a larger scale. Uh, it devalues the human body and places a price on something that is valuable beyond a price tag. So, of course, if you don't go to either of those, uh, another big popular thing that's coming up is live cams. So people find it rewarding to get into these chat rooms and live streams. Um, they become a popular form of, con a form of consumption, and it gives users an interactive experience uh, with what they're watching. Um, and, again, the idea being pushed here is that um, – you should create friendships and interactions that are sex-centered outside of the context of a relationship. So basically sex should be a casual, prevalent, enjoyable topic of discussion and activity that is shared among friends and strangers alike. Uh, this teaches people to make sexuality a focal point uh, of all human interaction rather than an intimate and personal affair that is shared only with one special person. And the reason I'm saying all these ideas that are being pushed and the harmful effects that they have on society and on people is because I want you to understand the severity of this and what this is actually subconsciously doing to people. So here we are about to get into the supplier. So this is huge. Um, this is what I like to call the cartel. And this is a big reason as to why uh, porn is morally wrong. So the provider you did not know there is a company called MindGeek. MindGeek has over 100 million daily visitors and is one of the top 10 consumers of bandwidth. Some reports have them in the top three consumers. So bandwidth is a way to track online traffic. MindGeek is at least in the top 10. Some estimates have it in the top three. They operate nearly a hundred websites that in total consume more bandwidth than Twitter Amazon or Facebook. So there are more people visiting their sites than Twitter, Amazon, or Facebook. They are the provider of internet porn. It, they have a complete monopoly on it. They own a large number of aggregator sites such as Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, all these other things, uh, XHamster, XVideos. Some of these that some of you are probably familiar with uh, when I mention them, um, but they serve up a huge amount of free content. They are funded by ads, and it's a monopoly that they have on this. But what is their worst attribute? Why do I say that they're morally wrong for doing this, B despite the fact that I obviously see this as something morally wrong to begin with? Well, an article in the New York Times named The Children of Pornhub by Nicholas Kristof talks about how unauthorized sex and rape and torture, obviously, um, videos were being spread across the internet on a website called Pornhub. This was mainstream, was happening. Uh, got the New York Times headline. Uh, so one teenager actually ended up on Pornhub after sending a video of herself to a boy that she had a crush on, and then he in turn went and published it on the site. Um, she was uh, harassed and humiliated, and she actually attempted suicide because of this. So if uh, people say that this is a victimless thing. It absolutely is not. Uh, this has victims, multiple millions of victims. Um, this is a serious issue in our country. Uh, so in November of 2019, an investigation uh, by the Sunday Times in London, England, 
found that dozens of illegal child exploitation videos uh, on the site of Pornhub uh, were, were there. Um, and advertisers such as Unilever and Heinz uh, were called out. So there were videos uh, of adult women and trafficked women on the site and one child under 10 years old who had been sold into trafficking and was the subject of uh, this traumatic experience for almost 10 years. So this question, uh, this, would, this would beg the question, where is the moderation? Well, internal documents from MindGeek show that they have under 10 moderators for Pornhub per shift and three moderators per shift for all of their other tube sites combined. So you're talking about a, a company, a site that has more bandwidth than Twitter, Amazon, and Facebook, and they have less than 10 moderators on shift at any given time. That's absolutely ridiculous. I will almost guarantee you that Facebook, Amazon, and Twitter have much more moderators uh, than MindGeek does, and they should be held accountable, especially with something as sensitive as this kind of information. So one glass door user wrote, uh, if you're interested in the content formatter job, just be aware that you're basically a, glor a glorified child porn screener and you'll be watching disgusting videos all day. This is the kind of stuff that is flooding through our internet waves and reaching the minds of our young children. So who else was involved in this endeavor outside of the provider? Uh, this would be the investors. Uh, the backers of MindGeek come from the pinnacle of the world's finance and academia. Uh, Pornhub has had business ties with some of the most well-known corporations on the planet. Uh, and MindGeek came under fire after lawsuits were brought against them from 34 women who claimed that they were victims of the site. So these 34 women filed a federal racketeering lawsuit against the company and its owners and executives, Visa, uh, which processes payments for the site, and hedge fund Colbeck uh, Capital, which underwrote uh, a financing for the company. Um, so, yeah, Visa and Colbeck Capital have been pulled into this, and they are, they at least were intimately involved. So, uh, Visa was actually uniquely suited to stop this exploitation because they controlled the purse. They had the money, um, but they chose instead to participate in the profiteering. Uh, the, compliant, uh, the complaint of these 34 women issued uh, uh, included Visa as a participant in the scheme because it engineered and facilitated credit card and financial transactions to siphon off these profits and avoid credit card red flags. So they actually made a whole different kind of software to be able to process this kind of stuff without tripping any red flags and getting any government attention. And Visa is still doing work uh, with MindGeek right now and refuses to comment on the matter. Uh, so if if you pull out your wallet and you have Visa on any of your cards, understand that that company is involved in this. And listen, I'm guilty of that too. I have a Visa card. But Colbeck Capital, um, so th their involvement is uh, that MindGeek was being investigated for money laundering in the 2000s. And in 2009, the Secret Service seized $6.4 million from the company and uh, to get out from under that public scandal, uh, the company was sold to a German man named Thilman, and um, he was who was funded by unknown investors from Eastern Europe, and raised more than 350 million dollars to buy the company 
with a secured financing through Colbeck Capital. So Colbeck Capital went in with Thillman to actually buy MindGeek. Um, and, of course, Colbeck Capital is run by two former Goldman Sachs investment bankers. Um, so some of America's best, or some might say some of the worst. Um, so the loan was secured by all of uh, MindGeek's assets, uh, yada, yada, yada. But Colbeck refused to comment on that relationship that they had with MindGeek. So um, in 2012, that owner, Thillman, was actually arrested on uh, tax fraud. Um, but that's when, according to a complaint, that Bergemeyer, the current owner, became the majority owner. So Bergemeyer was a, another former Goldman Sachs investment banker. Again, all of these wealthy elite people involved in this. And uh, he left Goldman Sachs to provide niche financing for legally dubious ventures that Goldman Sachs and uh, other Wall Street firms just would not uh, sign off on. So he specialized in doing these shady deals. So his identity was for a long time a secret, but uh, he took extreme steps to conceal not just his identity, but even his existence. Um, because he and his investors were fully aware of the legally dubious nature of the business that they owned and ran. They understood the ramifications surrounding it. And some of these investors were themselves the subject of some international legal scrutiny or associated with others who were in uh, a bad position legally. So these investors were so uneasy being associated with this business that uh, they were rabid about even their financer becoming known. Uh, they knew the ramifications and the um, the nature of this kind of business. They knew it was bad. Um, but MindGeek also reportedly has some better-known financial backers, including J.P. Morgan Chase, Cornell University, and Fortress Investment Group. Um, so these are, again, some other people who are pulled into this. And with a 90% market share, Google is also involved. Uh, Google is a de facto advertising for the hardcore porn industry because they again own 90 percent of the market share when it comes to search engine markets and they once again push this kind of stuff into the minds of our children so um basically the goal of MindGeek with google was that uh, they needed to end up number one in google searches obviously this is the goal of someone who is attempting to get some more uh, traction and more traffic on their website. But to do that meant that they needed to have more comment, uh, more content, more search terms, and more descriptions, um, explaining how any effort to monitor the site for illegal content would actually hurt that effort. So they could not be monitored. Uh, they understood that being monitored was bad for business. Uh, as soon as you somehow try to police the content on your site, you start losing content, you start delaying upload time, and you start losing the search engine optimization race so that it decided not to do anything as far as monitoring their content. And indeed, they did master the art of search engine optimization, which means that Google ends up driving people to uh, Pornhub and similar sites. So all of those that are involved, just to kind of recap that, is Visa, Fortress Investment, Cornell University, J.P. Morgan Chase, Colbeck Capital, and Google, which the majority owners of Google are Vanguard Investment and BlackRock. Um, so it seems to me that all of the big financial heavy hitters, the elites, 
the people who actually control the purse of America, control uh, how America operates, they're all in on this operation. So to me, that right there is a red flag. Why are they all trying to get this into the mainstream? And we will get into that in a little bit. But um, next, I want to pivot and say, uh, why is it legitimately bad for you? So uh, we will do that one on the next episode because we're about halfway through. So that was, uh, again, part of the why uh, you should quit. And now we'll be getting into the how you should quit. And I believe part of understanding or part of wanting to know how you should quit um, is, again, knowing why it's legitimately bad for you. And once you understand how it's bad for you, then you can understand how you should quit. Uh, But for this episode, that should round it off. Make sure to go check out the sister episode uh, to this one where we really wrap things up and tie up all the loose ends and actually get to the root of the problem and help you as an individual on the how to quit rather than just your why. So we already gave you basically with that whole business operation there, we gave you this look into uh, the immoral aspect of this business. So uh, on the next episode, we're going to tie all that together. So be sure to check that out. But thank you for listening to this one. Uh, If you enjoyed, uh, give us a follow. Go follow our social medias at Deciding Factor, D-S-I-D-I-N-G Factor, and have a beautiful day.